Hi, I'm Roger Blackmore. I'm the lead pastor at Genesis Church on Long Island in New York. Thanks for downloading our podcast. I hope it's a blessing to you. If you want to learn a bit more about our church, then check out our website, genesisli.com. And of course, if you live within traveling distance of us, we'd love to see you in person on Sunday morning, worshiping with us. So here's today's message. Enjoy. So what's the deal with back to church Sunday? Well, the truth is we're all back to church. I was here last week, but I'm back to church today. A lot of you were here last week, but you're back to church today. For some of you, summer's been a kind of crazy period with a ton of stuff going on, and uh, you haven't been around as frequently as you normally would. And today's a good day to refocus and say, okay, I'm going to get back to it, because I know this is an important part of my life. And then I know there are some of you that are here this morning, and you're here, and maybe you've been disconnected from church and haven't been involved with church. Maybe a family member or a friend invited you to come, and um, you didn't want to, but you had to shut them up. So the only way to make them stop nagging you was saying, I'll come once, give me pancakes. And it worked. <laughs> and it worked. Congratulations. So we're happy to see everybody that's here with us this morning. Um, I've spent my whole life focused on church. My whole working life, I've pastored churches. That's what I've done. So I know some people say, well, you know, you, really you should say your whole life's been focused on serving Jesus. You know what the best way to serve Jesus is? The best way to serve Jesus is to help his people, his church, to encourage his church, to build up the church and see others added to the church. So that's what I've spent my whole life. So I'm like, I, I'm really pumped about the church. And, you, you know, that's okay because he, here's what it says in Ephesians. It says, Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. Jesus died for the church. When Christ was on the cross, he was able to look forward and picture what would happen. And he saw that through history, there'd be millions and millions of people who would come to faith in him and who would connect with church family, and who would continue to pursue his purposes. Jesus is absolutely, totally enamored with church. That's why church has been a good thing for me to invest my life into. Now, if you read some of the statistics that are out nowadays, some of you might have read these, that church attendance in the United States is dwindling. Did you read that stuff? The church attendance is really down by this much percent, this much percent. And here's the truth. None of those people ask me how many people we have. None of those people went up the road to, to my friend Tony Balsam with integrity and said, Tony, how many people are in your church? Nobody went over to Harvest. What's it called now? Harbor. Lamb's Chapel. Okay. All right. Nobody, nobody went over there and said to Mike, hey, Mike, how many people you got here and, and in your Patchogue campus? Nobody went over to Bert Crabb at True North and said, hey, Bert, how many people are in True North? Because we fly under the radar. So when they say church attendance is declining, they are measuring generally the historic established church. So don't believe everything you read because the living church is very much alive and is doing very well. 
I read a couple of quotes about church that uh, T.S. Eliot, the poet, said, the true church can never fail, for it is based upon a rock. An old evangelist from years ago, Dwight Moody, said this. He said, church attendance is as vital to a... Let's start that again. Church attendance is as vital to a disciple as a transfusion of rich, healthy blood to a sick man. Church matters. C.S. Lewis, I love this. He said, C.S. Lewis said, the perfect church service would be one we were almost unaware of. Our attention would have been totally on God. That's cool. John Calvin said this, wherever we see the Word of God purely preached and heard, there a church of God exists, even if it swarms with many faults. Okay, that's not here. You know, that's good. You know, that's Calvin talking about years ago in some other country. No. There the church of Christ exists. If you want to think about church and see church, you know, they say the purest water is always at the source. And the best place to get a good picture of church is actually to look back at the start of the church in the opening chapters of the book of Acts in the Bible. And there are two verses from Acts 2 and, verse, and, and Acts 4 that I want us to focus on this morning that talk about how church was when it started, which gives us a good idea of really what church should be in our day. In Acts chapter 4 and verse 32, it says this, Now the multitude of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. The multitude of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. And then we're going to turn back to Acts chapter 2, and it says this, they committed themselves to the teaching of the apostles, the life together, the common meal, and the prayers. Okay, Lynn, I'm going to drive you crazy. Can we go back to Acts 4 now? There are, f there are three words that I really just want to focus on today. Two of them are here. I want you to look at the word multitude. Then I want to look at the word believed. And then in Acts 2, darn, she's good. Then in Acts 2... I want you to see the word on the second line in the middle, together. The life together. Three key words, multitude, believed, together. It talks about the multitude of those who believed. And that not only means that in the early church, the early church was big. It doesn't just mean that the early church was a mixed bag. And that's the first thing I want to emphasize today. The church is a mixed bag. The multitude, the church started. Okay, so Jesus went back to heaven. He said to his disciples, don't do anything. I want you to go back into Jerusalem and pray there until you're empowered by the Holy Spirit. So they go, friends, family come with them. There's about 120 of them. And they go and they find a room where they feel safe and they start to pray and they pray until the Holy Spirit empowers them. And on that day, when that happened, over 3,000 people were baptized and were added to them. These 3,000 people were people who had traveled to Jerusalem for the celebration of the Jewish Feast of Pentecost, and it tells us this about them in Acts 2 and verse 5. It says, there were many Jews staying in Jerusalem just then, devout pilgrims 
from all over the world. So these people had come from all over. If you don't believe that, look at what it says here next in verse 9. Okay? You ready? I can read this without getting stuck on a single name. Parthians, Medes, and Elamites, visitors from Mesopotamia, Judea, and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, immigrants from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, even Cretans and Arabs. Okay, now, now, now why, why, is all that, why, why is all that stuff in the Bible? Do we need to know that? Yes, we did. Because what that tells us is that, it's, is that when the church grew suddenly in one day from 120 people to over 3,000 people, this was people from all over the place. If you look at that, we, we call those places by different names nowadays, but they came from that Middle Eastern area. They came from Asia. Some of them came from Greece. Some of them came from Africa. Hey, if you look there, the Italians were there. <laughs> Immigrants from Rome, you were there. It was a whole mixed bag of people that were there at the birth of the church. They were from all over, from different cultures, different ways of life, some different ways of thinking philosophically, and, and they were all very much a different group of people at the birth of the church. Now, if you fast forward now to the picture we have in the book of the Revelation about the church in heaven at the end of time, I want you to look at this and see what it says in Revelation chapter 5. Here they are worshiping the Lord before His throne in heaven, and they say, they say this, you are worthy because you were slain, and with your blood you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. I want you to have a good look at that, and I want you to recognize there the last couple of lines, persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. The church was never meant to be made up of people who looked like robotic clones. The church from day one was a huge mixed bag of people from all kinds of backgrounds, from all kinds of races, with all kinds of uh, views on life with all kinds of hang-ups, with all kinds of differences, but they were all part of the family of God. The church is a mixed bag. Always has been. And it always will be. You, you know, we, we, you, you don't need me to tell me that you're this. We live in a very divided country right now, right? So, there are bitter divisions. And, and the media bombards us with stuff to try to make us even more aggravated about it and to try to make us all much more upset about things. Some people say we're more divided now than we have ever been in our history. I, I don't think they totally read history. <laughs> it's been pretty bad here before, but anyway. But here's what I want to tell you. Within these doors, people can connect without fear of judgment without the risk of being put down. Because the fact is, wherever you've come from and wherever you're at in life just now, we value you, we care about you, and we want you to be part of our church family. Amen. 
So, you know, you can have, and we've got, we've got people right across the political spectrum. You, you've got kind of real right, no, you're looking the other way, real right-wing conservatives. And then, you, you know, you've got people who say, oh, we take a Republican line. And others say, I'm in the middle, I'm sick of the lot, call me independent. And somebody says, well, I, you know, I'm, I'm Democrat, I'm, I'm totally convinced. Somebody says, well, I'm more over the socialist side. And you know what? I don't give a darn. I really don't give a darn. Because the church does not exist to put forward a political line. The church exists to help people find Jesus. And Congress is not the hope of the world. The church is the hope of the world. And take that through every other area of values, of personal values. The, the, the fact is what makes us different from mainstream America in 2019 is this. It's we're all a very different and we're a whole mixed bag, but it's okay because God put us together. God wanted us to be together. We're here because we need God. We're here because we need each other. And in our pursuit of God, we're here to support and encourage one another. But all of us comes from different backgrounds. All of us have had different experiences in life. All of us look at different things in different ways. But the truth is this. It comes down to the one thing that really matters, and that is this. God brought us together to serve his purpose and to be a light to this world. I love what it says in Galatians 3, verse 28. It says this. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave or free, there is neither male or female. You are all one in Christ Jesus. It, 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 doesn't, it doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what your race is. It doesn't matter what your status in life is. It doesn't matter what gender. The bottom line is this. We are all one in Christ Jesus. That's what matters. From day one, the church was a total mixed bag. And you know what? That is one of the most marvelous things about the church is we are that, but we're here together this morning, and we are worshiping together, and we're loving God together, and we're caring for each other together, and we're eating bagels together, and that's the ultimate sign of civilization, you know, <laughs> right? But we're together because what God has done and is doing in us transcends anything else. Now, obviously, Jesus lived in a Jewish culture. And in his day, there were basically two cultures. You were a Jew or you weren't a Jew. That was it. You were a Jew or you were a Gentile. And Gentiles were despised by Jews. They were referred to them as Gentile dogs. But Jesus came to level the playing field. In Ephesians 2 and verse 14, it says this. He himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one, and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. Jesus leveled the playing field, which put the whole of mankind on the same plane. So there's nobody more valuable than anybody else. There's nobody more important. There's nobody who's got more right to be appreciated. Everybody who comes within these walls is valued, respected, and welcomed 
And if you'll let us, we will love you too. Church is a mixed bag. The multitude of those who believe, the whole bunch of quite different people. Let's look at the second word, believed. The church is made up of believers. That's all it says about them, that they were believers. Believers in what? Well, let me just give you a quick recap of a New Testament story. The apostle Paul and his sidekick Silas were preaching in Philippi, and as they preached in Philippi, some of the people really were antagonistic towards them sharing the message of Christ, and ultimately they got them thrown into prison. So, Paul and Silas are in this prison cell. It's midnight. It's damp. It's dark. It's cold. And at midnight, what they're doing is they pray, it says, and they were singing praise to God. And as they prayed and praised God at midnight, suddenly the prison doors all flew open and everybody's chains were released. And the jailer suddenly woke up when he heard the commotion of the doors all banging open and he looked around and he was terrified because he thought that all of the prisoners escaped. And then it says this in verse 29 of Acts 16. The jailer got a torch and ran inside. Badly shaken, he collapsed in front of Paul and Silas. He led them out of the jail and asked, Sirs, what do I have to do to be saved, to really live? They said, put your entire trust in the Master Jesus. Then you'll live as you were meant to live, and everyone in your house is included. Put your entire trust in the Master, Jesus. What do I have to do to be saved? Put your entire trust in the Master, Jesus. Some other translations simply say, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and he's, you know, he came to trust in Christ. He became a believer. What do I have to do to be saved? I have to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus said that the gate that leads to eternal life is a narrow gate that few people find. But the danger is there are some church folks who will try to put even more obstacles in front of people's way before they can even get near that gate. The church is made up of believers, pure and simple. But people say, well, wait a second, you know, I, I think, you know, God wants you to do this and God wants you to be that. And, uh, you know what? If you want to become a Christian, here's what you're going to need to do. You're going to need to get your act together. You're going to need to stop staying out so late and drinking so much on Saturday nights so you can get to church every Sunday morning. And you're going to have to read your Bible for at least 30 minutes every morning before you go to work. And then you need to pray for at least 30 minutes. And then when you get your paycheck, 10% of that needs to go into the church offering. Because if you're going to be serious about being a Christian, I'm going to lay out for you, here's what's on the line, and here's what's expected of you. And you know what they do? They actually shut up heaven for people who desperately do need and want to get in. Because here's what the Bible says, what do I have to do to be saved? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. You know, that's the message of the gospel. 
That's what we share. That's what I've spent all my life preaching. And you know, more and more as I've got older, I've come to realize that's just what I need to do. I preach God's Word. Let God take care of people. So you know what? When people come to faith in Christ, I am not going to drive them into the mold and model of Christian life that I think is the most ideal for them. I'll preach the truth. I'll share the Word. And, and, and you know what? In the end of the day, God will guide everybody's journey because no two people's journeys are the same. Romans chapter 10, verse 9. Say the welcoming word to God, Jesus is my master. Believe. Jesus is my master. Embracing body and soul, God's work of doing in us what he did in raising Jesus from the dead. That's it. You're not doing anything. You're simply calling out to God, trusting Him to do it for you. That's salvation. That is fantastic. So difficult to grasp. Like, what do I need to do? Okay, what, you know, what, what do I, what's going to happen? How do I need to approach this? Here's what you've got to do. You say from deep within, Lord, you are my master. And that's it. That's salvation. That's the beginning. Giving our lives to Christ is the beginning of a journey for us. And each person makes that journey at their own pace. Because no two journeys are alike. We help encourage, support one another. But even as believers, we'll still be a mixed bag of believers. Because every one of us here is still a work in progress, right? Good. Okay, well, myself and my six friends out there are still a work, are still a work in progress, and God bless the rest of you. You, you. I don't know why you're here. You should be in heaven already. But we are. And God's guiding and God's helping. So you know what? I, there are Christians who are into stuff that I personally wouldn't recommend they be into, but you know what? I preach the truth, and I share the truth, and I let God lead them and guide them and speak to them, and God's going to help them in what they do. But I want to tell you this. You don't have to be the perfect Christian before you can come in that door, because otherwise this place would be empty Sunday after Sunday after Sunday. Hello? <laughs> believe. So going back to that event at, um, at the Feast of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit empowered Christ's disciples, and there was quite a commotion, and they went out on the streets and started preaching to this crowd, and Peter was preaching, and he preached to, and told them that they, you know, they were responsible because they killed the Son of God, and he really wasn't holding anything back. And then some of the people who were listening said, okay, 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 just tell us what to do. It's like, stop, just, you know, what, what do we do? And Peter said this in Acts 2, verse 38. Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. What do we have to do? Repent. Repent of killing Jesus. Repent of crucifying Jesus. Repent of that sin and be baptized. So they repent, and they are baptized. And they, instead of owning 
the death of Jesus as part of what they were trying to make happen, they repent of being part of that and recognize who He is. Repent, be baptized, repent, be baptized. If you're here today and you don't really know Christ fully and have a relationship with Jesus, I want to tell you this. Jesus wants you to be in a relationship with Him so much that He made it dead easy. He made it really easy. It's this, if you will repent. And after repentance comes the opportunity to be baptized, which we will be offering, as Charlotte said, in three weeks' time. And if you're someone who's trusted Christ as your Savior and you haven't yet been baptized as a follower of Jesus, I want to encourage you uh, the last Sunday of this month to make that the celebration of your total commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ. A mixed bag of belief. Do we all believe the same? Not in some things, probably. Sometimes I have people who will contact me before they come to church, and they'll say to me, now, um, I've heard about the church. I'm thinking of coming. Can you tell me this? Do you believe in? Do you believe in the premillennial return of the Lord Jesus Christ? Now, some of you, that phrase might not be one you're familiar with, and it's, it's okay, honestly. The Bible said Jesus is coming back one day. That's what we need to know. And you know, when I read that kind of question, it's like I get sad. Because the world outside is divisive. We don't need to be. You may view some things differently than I view them. Your take might be different than my take on them. But you know what the beauty of the church is? We're still one body, one family together. I remember sitting down with a guy a year or two ago now, and he was telling me what he didn't believe and did believe. And he said, well, I, you know, I, I believe basically, you know, the key thing is to be good and to do good and to love others and help others. And I, I, I think, you know, every road leads to heaven and I sat and listened, and he told me a bunch of other things that he believed, and I listened, and then I said, tell me a bit about your family. Talk to me about your kids. We chatted for a little bit, because I'm not interested in what he believes, and my job is not to convince him. You know what my job is? It's to love people. And it's to care about people. And that man came to faith in Christ, and we did baptize him here. We love people. There's only one thing that matters. Will you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ? And if you will believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you will be saved. And then having believed in Christ, everybody's everybody's on a journey, and we're all working out stuff. And some people's deviations from God's Word are more obvious than other people's deviations from God's Word. But the truth is, we're all working at bringing our lives into line with this book, right? But we accept one another, and we love one another, and we bless one another. So does that mean anything's okay? No, anything's not okay. The Bible is our bottom line. 
In fact, next Sunday, I'm going to start a teaching series called The Bottom Line and talk about how and why the Bible is our bottom line. But we are all in the process of bringing our lives into line with God's Word. The church is a mixed bag. The church is made up of believers. And here's the real miracle. The church is a band of brothers and sisters. The third word from the book of Acts is the word together. Together. Did you ever, did you ever see someone just after they'd had a family wedding and you ask them how the wedding went and they say, just a moment, and they pull out their phone and you think, oh, no. <laughs> did you ever do that or am I just the evil one? And it's like, there are 120 photographs coming right now. And all I wanted to hear was, good. <laughs> You've been there too then, right? You know, or, yeah. Did your daughter have the baby yet? Oh, yes! <laughs> it makes you wish you didn't have smartphones nowadays, right? We like to talk about our family. We like to show off our children or our grandchildren. Remember I said earlier on that the Bible says that Christ loved the church and gave himself for it? In Ephesians 3.10, I want to read this verse and then I just want to unpack it just a little bit. God's intent was that now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. L let, me, let me just unpack this verse for a second. Big picture. Uh, general background. Okay. Before there was anything, there was God, right? And then, and then there was God, there were, and then there were angelic hosts, and then, then came creation, and there came a point where one of the leading angels named Lucifer figured, you know what, I don't think God's that good at being God, and he's been doing it for a while now. Somebody else should take a turn. I want to be God. And he was thrown out of heaven. That's where the devil came from. So actually what there was and the unity and peace of heaven was, was ripped apart. And from that day to this day, mankind has been ripped apart by the battle between good and evil, by the forces of darkness and by the light of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And, but God had a plan. God's plan was for our salvation. God's plan was to bring mankind back together again. And you know the way people are brought back together again is they're brought into the family of Christ. And so they become connected to church. And God's plan way back in the beginning was that one day he could pull out his phone and say to Satan, there's a group picture of Genesis this morning. A lot of people there, right? Guess it didn't work. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Let me finish, let me finish. <laughs> I've got millions of these, and they're just taken today. God's plan was the church would be the thing that showed 
the greatness of what he was able to do in redeeming mankind from a falling condition and from bringing them back into relationship with himself together. So the church is, the, the miracle of the church is God's brought us together and God is building us together. Now, that, that doesn't mean at times there won't be little stresses and tensions, right? Okay. But there will be because we're, because, you know, because we all, because people are annoying at times. I mean, that's the bottom line. I mean, people are just annoying. And then there are other times, of course, because, you know, we're all in the process of God making us whole. There are times when we'll be hurt, perhaps by something said or something done that people never ever intended to be hurtful or harmful at all. But just because of the way we are and where we are in our journey of healing, the fact is it's going to be painful to us. Paul was writing to the Philippian believers, and, and this was a fantastic church. And, and he says this, though, in verse 2 of chapter 4. I like this. I urge Euodia and Syntyche to iron out their differences and make up. God doesn't want his children holding grudges. I like that. It's like, hey, by the way, I've told you all this deep stuff, but will you pair just get your act together? Because that happens from time to time. But you know, that happens in natural family too, doesn't it? But in general... Family gets beyond it and gets over it because we're family. And the miracle of church is here we are today together. Not because we got to be here, because we want to be here. And not just because we want to be in this building, but we want to be in this environment. And we want to be with these people because God has brought us together. So wherever you're at in your relation with church right now, maybe you're someone, you know, and, and you've got a little bit disconnected over recent weeks. Maybe you're here today because someone did invite you, but you really, you don't do church. You might be here, you might have been here for a while as someone who got burned in church. And so you withdrew. My encouragement and invitation to you on this Back to Church Sunday is this. Listen. The church is a whole mixed bag. That means you belong as you are. The second thing is, church is a mixed bag of believers. You don't have to jump through hoops and do a zillion other things. We encourage you and want to help you and make it possible for you to come to a place of really trusting in and committing your life to Jesus. And then the third thing is, there's then the commitment, you know, of being in this together. So you know what we do? We worship together. We grow together. We do that in our conversations, in our interactions. We do a little more of that next uh, week from Tuesday. We'll be starting our, our midweek Bible teaching activities. We give together so that pooling what we have amongst ourselves and between ourselves, we're able to make things happen. And then we serve together. 
when you really become a part, you find the way to contribute towards making church happen. Where can I serve? What can I do? How can I be a part of this? And my encouragement to you as we settle into this fall season is this. Let's see what God can do in and through this mixed bag of believers together. It's going to be a great few months ahead of us. I really believe that. But the key thing is, God brought us together as we are for who we are. Christ loved the church, gave himself for the church. And we need to be committed to church as we are committed to Christ. Amen. Let's pray.